You are now listening to the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast featuring D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage. You push play and they'll push the limits. It's your boy Tom here and we are back with another episode of the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast. Woo, D. Who is this very special guest that we have joining us today? Uh, well, um, I think it's from a really good movie, but he was he was in that really good movie. He was he wasn't the main character. He was more so a side chick. And it's the scary. Gary Crow. It's. It's scary, it's the Gary. scary Gary Crow. So yeah, I'm the actual one that actually dressed in costume for this, like we said we were going to. They just let everybody down. I have a costume on. I'm Bill I, Belichick. I, I have one on too. We got a sad Grizzlies fan. I'm a Devonte. <laughs> I'm De- I'm Devonte Freeman. <laughs> Kobe cool. Kingston. There you go. <laughs> You want me to take my shirt off, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, D'Angelo, all black people do not look alike. Contrary to popular belief, there's some out there that would argue with you. <laughs> D'Angelo and Kofi look identical. <laughs> we look nothing alike. Nothing alike. <laughs> look, I, 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 I kind of want to jump into this podcast because I, I got into a very interesting debate, Gary. And I already know how you're going to feel on this. And I haven't talked to you about it uh, until now. Time, same way with you as well. So um, here in North Carolina, um, there was a young lady. She was, I think, 15, 16. I think you may have heard of this story, Time. Uh, uh, she went missing. And she went missing for maybe a week. And after a week has gone by, they found her. Uh, she was alive and uh, the public was like, hey, they reached out to the public and said, hey, you know, at this time, we, we hope that y'all respect the family wishes and give them their privacy. And they were like, screw the privacy. Um, we want to know, do you feel that in times like that, whether people go missing uh, whether, you know, like Carly, for instance, uh, you know, she went missing and then, you know, she ended up lying and, and, you know, they, we ended up finding out, do you think the public, uh, should be like, are we obligated to know what's going on in these people's lives? Um, you can go first. Uh, I don't think we're obligated to know. Um, I think that's just everybody's, uh, want to be nosy. <laughs> but if you want help finding them, then maybe that would that would that would lean towards uh, you know you gotta you gotta let some people know. But if you're not worried about people helping you find them, then hey, it's your business. What you think, Scary Gary? So he didn't give much context to that. Okay, great job, time. Um, I'm gonna say a little bit what time said in the aspect that. If you want help finding them, you do got to share information. 
And then when you don't share information, it makes it look like somebody's guilty in that party, especially if you're not if you're trying to find somebody and they're still missing and you're not willing to share information. Obviously, part of it also comes to the police because they may not want any information shared because it may help the people that if somebody disappeared and they got kidnapped, it may help that person knowing what's going on, what how the tracking down leads and stuff like that. So I can no, see no, it both no, ways. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like now that they found the girl and she's alive and she's back at home with her family, should the public respect their privacy? Not at all. If you lie, if it comes out that you lied for attention, no, 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 you it's have, not. You it's not that she. No, 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 this is somebody else, Gary. This is somebody else. It's not that she lied. We're talking about another girl. This girl that we're talking about right now, she was missing. She's home now. Uh, the story hadn't came out on like uh, if she was kidnapped, like how long she was gone, if she ran away. She was just missing. Now she's at home. The question to you is: is should their family come out and give us an update and tell us what happened. I don't think the family should. I think the cops should. Okay, Tom, what do you think? Uh, you know, I think it, it depends on if it became a a subject of public interest. So say... It, is. it, it has. It has. Right. Everybody in North Carolina know about it. From the time well, it happened. Well, then I feel like you have to give an update just because of the level it reached, and then the fact that you know people might be fearing for their own safety for whatever reasons. Oh God, I didn't think it could get scarier. I know that, that thing's hot. <laughs> <laughs> what What about you, D'Angelo? What's your okay? So. I, I, I'm gonna be a hundred percent honest with you, man. When I first read this story, me and I, I was on my way to the farm, and uh, me and my wife was in the car, and we had this discussion. And it was interesting because I said that ain't none no nobody damn business. But then there was one caller that said something that absolutely struck a nerve and completely changed my path. He said that if you go on, if you go on TV. And you ask for GoFundMe, and you ask 100%. for the public's you help. Everything. You 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 ask for the public's help. Then once you ask for the public help, and we're interested, and we're out looking for her, then you now, as a responsibility to the community, now have to tell us what's going on. And I 100% agree with that. 100% agree. But I take it a little bit farther. If there's things out there that's happening to people that could save somebody else from going through the same thing as a duty to the community do you not think that that like that should be just common sense like hey you they're scamming people out here or they're doing this out here they're doing that out there instead of saying hey you know what i'm just gonna let it happen to the next person yeah i think it all depends on like what actually happened like if it's a traumatic event to somebody that was involved and they came home they may not be ready to reveal what happened to them. They may have to deal with stuff first. And I think we have to respect that. But now if you're going to go ask for money, 
you're eventually going to have to explain why you're asking for that money, and then you're going to draw in more attention, and then that's when you're going to have to start to explain things. So if, if you want to ask for like a GoFundMe and all that kind of stuff and something traumatic happens, then you need to have make sure that person that it happened to has dealt with it and is okay with that situation because it, as soon as you do that, you're basically opening the floodgates. Okay. Anything, time. And I think I, I think it should be more on the person that the thing happened to. It shouldn't be on the family. If the person does, that it happened to says, I don't want to go fund me, the family shouldn't take in their own thing to do it themselves because that's not what that person wanted. Okay. Tom, you want to add anything to that or no? No, I pretty much said what I had to say about it. Okay. I, I, I find that very interesting because um, – I, I missing, kidnapped, uh, good story, bad story, set up, not. I, I feel like if it becomes a subject of national attention, then I feel like you have a duty uh, as a member of this community to kind of let us know, if not like specific, just in general, like kind of what happened uh, to kind of ease our minds or kind of does- point us in the right direction. Does the outcome determine whether or not people are owed an update? Say if like they are found dead versus if they come back alive. Does that make any difference to you? Well, I think it would. I think if somebody was uh, pronounced dead and they come back alive, I think the story needs to come out what happened. Because you got to make sure that type of stuff doesn't happen again. Because you just put everybody through grief that's close friends with them or family with them and they come back alive, they're going to be ecstatic. But you got to make sure that stuff does not ever happen again because you just destroyed a whole family, basically, if you pronounce somebody dead and then they come back. Yeah, they're ecstatic, but you got to make sure there's not like that false. You destroyed hope for that family at that point. And then you don't want to do that for future reference or other people. You want to keep hope in people versus into all. Now, obviously, there's things that come along like. Ten, it could be 10 years later the person shows up. Like maybe it was overseas and some an accident happened and they thought they were in on a helicopter or something like that that crashed and they couldn't identify and then they come back. <laughs> you have no idea. But like that kind of stuff's different. But if it's just a pronounced dead and come back like a week later, they're actually alive, they're, that's going to have to be released by the police what happened, where the mistake was. I don't think the family has to release it because the family didn't do it. It'd be more on the people that pr- pronounced it and did all that stuff. Yeah, I. But that's that's how I feel on that. I. I. And my next question. This will be my last question, Gary. I know how you feel about this one too, but this is going to be a very interesting question for time. My kid is fourteen, fifteen, thirteen, or younger. Okay. Who's responsible for my kid being late? Is it me or is it the kid? Late for what? Practice, late for school, late for anything in their life. Who's responsible for making sure said kid makes it to practice, makes it to school, makes it, is that on the kid if they're late or is that on the parent? If they're like, this is going to be a really good conversation, Gary. Time, you I go know first. it is. Huh? I said time, you go first. Uh, so if your kid got a game at 745, right? And for whatever reason, you make it there at 8 o'clock and he late. Or she late. Who fault is it? 
So I think that depends on, all right, are they relying on you for a ride? Well, they're under 16, so they don't have a driver's license. So they obviously, yes. Let's just say your kid's nine. They're nine. Your kid is nine years old. They got a game at 745, <laughs> and you get there at 8 o'clock. Who parent. fault is it that they're late? Are it's you having a conversation with the kid, or are you having a conversation with the parent? That's the parent, 100%. The kid, the kid might be, uh, you know, doing things to delay it. But as far as the parent, you're, you're, you're the responsible party. You're the one driving the vehicle. Uh, you know what time you need to leave. If they're not ready, you know, I can see you saying, "Well, I told them to get ready." Well, whatever, whatever. If, if we're coming down to it, though, is it a nine-year-old versus a parent? The parent's responsible. Same way they'd be responsible if the nine-year-old did something illegal. You know? Uh oh, Gary. <laughs> oh, I can speak now? Yeah. All right. I am the complete opposite. It's the nine year old's fault. Um, it's the nine year old's fault in the aspect if you tell them, hey, we have to leave at this time, you have to be ready to go. If you're not ready to go, you're teaching a lesson now at that point. Hey, you're late because you made yourself late. I was ready to go. I was in the car waiting on you. You weren't out here ready. That's on you. You have to deal with the consequences for the coaches. Coaches say what they want to me. He was he was playing around. He wasn't ready. I was sitting in the car waiting on him. You got to teach a lesson in that moment. I think that's what you have to do. I don't think you. It's not the parents' fault. The kids got to learn a lesson at some point. When you keep babying the kid, oh come on, we got to get you there. Hurry up. Now they're always relying on that. They got to learn themselves. Or in my case, what I would do again, easy for me to say because I don't have kids. But when I have kids, y'all will find out all this facts. This is how I'm going to be. <laughs> if we had to be at a certain time and I say, car's leaving at this time, if you're not in the car, I will pull off and leave. And I'll turn around the block, come back, and then they're not going. Because if they weren't in that car when it was time to leave, then I'm going to pull around the block, come back, and then they're not going at all. They're going to learn a lesson because they will never miss it again. I promise you they'll never miss it again. But if you keep, let's go, let's go, you're going to be late, you're going to be late, you're going to be late. They're going to keep doing it over and over and over again because they know they can run all over you. You got to set the bound the ground the ground rules. Wow. Yeah. If you're not willing to do it, then you're just going to, you got to deal with the consequences of you always being late with the kid because you can't get the kid on time. Well, you it sounds like you just it. agreed that it's the parent's responsibility to make sure the kid's on time because all no. that was stuff How? that a parent a parent does you're, to make sure that their kid the is kid. on. Right, if but, but if he's not there, and the coach, who's he going to talk to? He needs to talk to the kid because the kid should be there. If it's the kid's fault, like if the parent says, "Hey, I'm in the car waiting on him. He did, he was joking around, playing around, and stuff. Wouldn't come out. That's on him. You talk to him. You don't talk to me. I was ready. So he's got to learn a lesson. I'm I'm gonna give you more context. All right, and again, you could tell me if I'm wrong. You can tell me if I'm right. So. I told my son we were getting ready for a game and I told my son, I said, hey, I want to leave at six o'clock because I want to give us enough time to stop and get some food before we eat. So we're going to leave at six o'clock. Well, at six o'clock, I was ready. I was ready to go. I was like, hey, son, you ready? He ain't got one shoe on. He ain't got like not a stitch of clothes on and it's time to go. So the only thing I will say is if you didn't give him a 10, 15 minute warning that, hey, it's almost six o'clock. If you don't do that, because you have because they don't keep track of time. They don't look at the clock. 
But if you say, hey, we're leaving in 10 minutes, you better go get ready. If he didn't listen at that point, yeah. now it's on him. Yeah, I gave him the 10-minute countdown. I gave him the five-minute countdown. Then, you're, then he's he in the did, wrong. I'm going to tell you what he did. He did the Gary thing. He did the gariest thing ever, and I only brought this up because it pissed me off. I'm going to tell you what he did, Gary, that really drove me. He said, I said, hey, son, you got 10 minutes before we leave. And he goes, it's only going to take me like three minutes, daddy, because all I got to do is put on my socks and shoes. Well, when it was time to go, Gary, he had to change clothes. He had to like, it was way more extensive than he thought it was. And when we was time to leave, we didn't have enough time for food. So on my drive there, I was debating like, okay, he got us late. So should I teach him a teach him a lesson and go yes. ahead and go to this drive through and get the food that I want to get because I'm going to be hungry? Or should I say, you know what? I'm going to pass on the food. I'm going to get him. To, I'm going to make sure I get him on time where he need to be, because at this point, I think it's going to be on me. So what I did, Gary, I put all my eggs in one basket. It's usually a food truck there. So I said, you know what, son? I'm going to make sure you on time and we're going to eat at the food truck fruit truck gary we get there and i can't make this up out of all the days that they have been trying to get me to eat at this food truck since he's been playing football the one day that i decided hey i'm gonna put all my eggs in one basket wife and kids did the same thing everybody showed up hungry they had power issues and the damn food truck was closed <laughs> well see the thing is like i always see Again, I, I say this because I don't have kids, so I, it's easy for me to say. But I see lessons in so many things that get passed over. I'll give you a case in point because uh, I know my nephews aren't going to listen to the podcast. So my nephews are seven and four, right? They drink, they drink sodas. They drink like Capri Suns and stuff like that, right? And they always waste them. So I see a problem, and I find a way to solve it as also a gift. And it's teaching response. It's, it's a lesson in the whole thing. So what I told my brother, they love Minecraft. They love the game Minecraft. But there's a Minecraft mini fridge at Walmart and Target. I was like, hey, this would be an amazing gift to get the kids for uh, Christmas. And the reason why is like, for one, it does two purposes. One, you put it outside and on the back porch and you stock it with their Capri Suns or whatever. That's the only drinks they get. When they run out, they have to restock it themselves or they don't get any more drinks. They don't get to go in the main fridge to get drinks. So now you're teaching responsibility of not wasting your drinks and also making sure you have drinks in your fridge because that is now your fridge. Nobody else will touch it but you. You can't touch the other fridge. And now you're teaching a responsibility with also a gift that they will truly enjoy. And that's the thing is like there's so many things like this. I think that was a huge lesson that could have been taught to him. You go get food. He shows up late. The coach is like, oh, why are you late? And he might miss miss some plays. Like, hey, you did this to yourself because you were playing around. I told you you had 10 minutes. You didn't think it was going to take so long. You were late because of you. It's a lesson. He would never be late again. I think that's the thing is you, you got to they, they gotta learn a hard I, lesson I before they're going to really yeah, learn. I don't think you understand, man. <laughs> I, I, I really so, want to take in consideration what you're saying. But in this day and time, People I'm are not so, so parents sure are soft that on their kids, kids correct. don't care about missing whatever it is that uh, they're running. I'm going to say your son would be mad if he missed plays in his flag football. <laughs> now your daughter would I, 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 I don't know, I, I don't know. 
Your daughter would be know. mad if she misses her lacrosse game. Now, yes, she would so, be like, mad I'm if she misses her like, lacrosse game. So, but I'm telling you, I'm talking about DJ. DJ might be that. That might be right up his alley here. Like, I ain't want to go anyway. Like, you know yeah, what I'm saying? He doesn't see like, his friends. He doesn't do all that, which he likes enjoys the thing. It's like he misses all that stuff. And that's what you would explain to him. Hey, all right, you just let all your friends down. You're not going to get to see them again for a whole nother week or until school or whatever. Yeah. But, like, the whole thing is, like, you also could have done the thing what I said. Because the wife was there. She was at the house. She was going to bring the kids, right? The other ones, right? So you could have literally left at 6 o'clock, and now he has to find, okay, now he's got work. Dad left me. Well, you weren't ready at 6 o'clock. You got to learn. He's got to learn that lesson the hard way. Again, I say I'll do that, and I truly believe I'm going to do that if that happens to me. But it's easy to say that right now. But I think it's a, it's a learning lesson, and – if they truly care about it, they're not ever going to let it happen again. Yeah, I just it's it it was. But it's hard. I know it definitely has got to be hard. Yeah. So so do you go get food, Gary, or do you take him to oh, make I'm sure? Oh, I'm going to get time? food. He's going to be late because I gave him a time. If I especially if like you said, I gave him ten minutes. I gave him five minute warnings, and he yeah. still didn't do it. No, we're getting food anyways. You're not messing up my food because I got to sit here for this two hours anyways while you're playing. I'm hungry. And I'm trying to feed you before, too, so we're good. You chose not to. Now you messed everything up. Oh, this is going to be good, Tom. I know you got something good for me. <laughs> I know well, you got I something mean, good for me. My question is, at what point do you take into the account that a kid is a kid? And so you, you might have to stay on them a little bit more. Uh, you know, their attention span and ability to but listen is going to be a little different. five-minute warnings. He was. I know, but like, did he actually proactively, you know, hey, get your shoes I, on? I don't know. I'm just going by what he said. Let's saying. go put them on. I'm, just, well, <laughs> I'm not going to help him. He knows what he's supposed to do. You again? When you again? Okay, my question would be: When do you start teaching responsibility then? Because if you're always doing it for them and always letting them get away with whatever they want, when are you teaching responsibility then? Because they're right. a kid, yeah, they're going to do things like that's the thing. You got to find that balance. Yeah, you may let them do it once or twice, but at some point, you got to set that boundary that they can't do it anymore because they're just going to keep doing it. My brother has that happen all the time. My kids know how to play them. And the only reason I say, I knew that me and my brother knew how to do it to my parents. And it bothers me to no end seeing parents let their kids do that to them. Well, I, I found out something from a friend uh, over the weekend that I... I I never ever thought or heard of, um, but it's interesting because I didn't know that there's people out here that didn't do that. I have a friend Gary that does not baby talk to anything. You know how when you talk to a baby, like who's your baby? Who's your? They do not do that. They talk normal as if they're not babies, but is that not wild? Like I know even you, Gary, you yeah, baby. Talk. I think it's you. I think it's uh, it's more of like just a normal occurrence. Like you don't try to do it. You just yeah, try to talk like that's what I'm saying to a, to, a, to a baby. You How do you softer. fight that as a person to where you don't do it? Serial killer. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I like. And <laughs> that's, I, coming, I have, that's coming I, from one one that can recognize another. 
Yeah, see, that's the Wait, thing. Are you saying I, you're a serial killer? I'm not. No comment. <laughs> I can't incriminate myself. He's he's seen a few in the movies a few yeah, days. I've a few seen times. some movies. I know how it Is works. Is that what you want to say? Yeah. <laughs> I would like to take this moment to publicly say that I'd have no attachments or knowledge of Gary Barnage's killings. If we find out that he is a serial killer, I did not know. <laughs> D'Angelo definitely helped him hide the bodies, though. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. There's a, But here's the thing, too, about getting back to that question about whose fault is it. Because sometimes it can be the parents' fault. Because um, that... It can. That scenario assumes... That it's the kid that's messing around. What if the kid's sitting there ready to go? Then it would be on the know? parents. But I'm saying, like, it, in the story he told us, it's the kid's fault. I think it'd be his fault if he stopped to get food. Not if he was ready to go and the kid wasn't. D, you're well, muted, by the way. Oh, D left us. Man, he really got mad about that man, take. He does huh? not like that, huh? <laughs> I bet he joins on his phone. Freaking internet over there. Well, we're waiting for him to get back. You, the uh, richest man in here can't even have stable internet. I know. What in the world? Have you, while, while we're waiting, have you seen Fall of the House of Usher yet? I have not. I heard it's amazing. Oh, it's great. You need to check it out. Yeah, it's on the list. I, got, I haven't I, even watched Hocus Pocus yet this year. What? I'm, I'm watching it tomorrow. I've already got it on the, on the docket. Well, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, I'm working at a, a nightclub. It feels like Halloween's over. Because, you know, our big Halloween party is on Saturday. Yep. And it's like, wait, Halloween's still two days away. <laughs> but uh, so you still got time. You still have time. Uh, is that is that your number one movie that you have to watch? Every Halloween. That and I always watch the Halloween movies. Like the, orig- like the original slashers of Mike, uh, Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, and Jason. Man, Williams. I ain't gonna lie, Gary. I went back and I, you know, because I've watched, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, and stuff before when I was like a kid, but I, you know I barely knew what's going on. Yeah, I went back and watched Nightmare on Elm Street the other day, and oh my god, it is like not, nowhere near what I remembered. It is just like almost silly. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's crazy because like like when you go back and watch like those those type of scary movies, like again, like you said, I've been watching the they had a Nightmare on uh, Elm Street marathon, so I'm going back and watching them and. Stuff like that. It's crazy because as a kid, you don't really notice what's going on. Like you said, you don't notice like how people are confused on the desk. And you've realized that Freddie's making people see what they want them to see in real life because he's in a dream. And it's awesome because he just frames everybody. <laughs> he frames everybody to get them crazy. And it's, mm-hmm. just a, it's, it's crazy. And the, the, I think the, the craziest thing about that is how Wes Craven came up with that idea. You ever heard that? No. What's that? So Wes Craven was reading like news articles and stuff. And I think it was in like Japan or something like that. He was reading a news articles about these people that uh, were afraid to go to sleep. And uh, they, they, so they stayed up for like, like four, like 50, 60 hours or something, wouldn't sleep. And then when they actually did fall asleep, they died like three people. So he he came up with the Freddy Krueger story because of that news article, and he added a character to that. And that's it's crazy that that's where his mind went. And because he he says he needs to come up, that's how he comes up with a lot of stuff. He reads news articles and finds ways to manipulate it into a horror movie. 
Yeah, you know, because uh, <laughs> that's funny. Um, I feel like I need D'Angelo for. The, are you are you back, D'Angelo, or is your internet still? He's, it looks like he's muted, but it says he's in the call, but I don't know if he is. It looks like he's frozen. Yeah. Um, do you know that child that child's book where it's uh, "I love you forever, I like you for always, as long as you're living, my baby, you'll be." No. Oh, it's like a it's like a classic children's book. Um, you know, that'll make your parents cry because it essentially talks about you know your your kids growing old. Uh, and then, you know, eventually taking care of the parents, mm-hmm. but, um, that, that it, was, it was about a year or so ago. I, I was reading that. And I was like, if you read this from the context of like, uh, horror, is, yeah, like a horror, like it seems so freaky because like one of the things is like, and the mom would crawl across the room. And look over the bed and see the baby sleeping and pick up the baby and rock it back and forth, back and forth. So, like, can you imagine you're in a house and there's this, like, haunted by this old lady that misses crawls her child. Crawls across the floor. Right, crawls across the floor, picks you up out of your bed, you wake up and she's rocking you. It's, it's crazy <laughs> to me. You could literally take so many, like, stories or poems or books or movies that are normal movies and you can just change the tone that you say the lines and the, the, the pictures you draw on your head and you can make it so horror. It's crazy, but you can't do it the opposite way. I don't think you can make Freddy Krueger or Jason Voorhees or uh, Michael Myers a comedy. Like you could, yeah, I don't I, know how you could go about doing that. I think you have to change the, like, I just don't see how you, they could be, they could be getting killed. Correct. So you know what I'm, saying? I'm saying it could be done, but like normal, normal, like any kind of comedy stuff, even without deaths, you could still word it and make the picture in like the scenery look horror. It right. doesn't even have to have right. deaths. You can insinuate the deaths. It's just the way you you portray the way you say it, the tone you say it in, the music that's behind it. Because music makes horror movies. Music is what draws you in and keeps you engaged. Because if you ever watch a horror movie and it's silent. You won't jump. You're not going to get scared because that music is what really draws and gets your blood uh, flowing. So, Gary, what would you say is the greatest? Turn your camera sideways, please. The what would you say? The greatest. Scary movie is that's a comedy. All right. Turn it back forward because it didn't readjust. Um, comedy horror. Ooh, I got one that I don't know. A lot of people probably haven't seen. I recommend to go see it. I don't know if it's probably the best comedy horror, but it's really good. Um, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. That's, that's freaking a good one. Awesome. That's a good one. That's Shaun a, of the that's Dead. Netflix. Shaun of the Dead is really good. Uh, with Simon Pegg. Uh. That is a really good Shaun of the Dead's a great comedy, but I I always go back to if you want to see a comedy horror done right, it's Tucker and Dale vs. Evil because it's I, so I, it, and you can see that with any other movie like how people can get confused and make it into a horror. It's and that's why I love it so much. I I'm gonna say Slither, Gary. Slither's Slither. Slither's up there. Slither's up there for sure. Yeah, I I I'm saying Slither because when I first watched Slither, I thought it was a flat-out horror movie. 
And then after well, seeing it, do you consider a scary movie? Do you consider a scary movie a horror? I would consider that a comedy. The spoof. Yeah, I yeah, would consider I that comedy versus horror. Yeah, yeah, I would because it was a spoof. I think off spoofs, a spoofs are different genre. I think a spoof is considered comedy. Slither yeah. is its own movie. I think Shaun of the Dead is its own. Tucker and Dale is good. Yeah, I think those I those a, probably those are three great comedy would, horror. Would Lost would Lost Boys be considered comedy horror? I would say no. I think that's more horror. Yeah, I, and that's another thing too, man. I'm I'm gonna tell you what I think is died out, and this is just my hot take on movies, Gary. And I know you may not like it, but growing up, bro. My favorite franchise to watch when I wanted to go get a little bit of blood sucking, it was always Underworld. Underworld and vampires and lichens and like that battle. Like that's when vampires were on top, Gary. I can't tell you when the last time I seen a good vampire movie. Well, like it's 2023 and they just don't like. That's because the they made Twilight. Losing its luck. That's because they made Twilight. You think that's what it is? Well, Twilight tried to make uh, vampires sexy and nice and stuff like that. So that ruined the whole mystique of vampires. Uh, so I think that's probably hurt some of the vampire like genre. They still have some. Like uh, They had uh, the show on AMC or FX. Um, the sh- not the strain. There was one that's about like about a vampire. Um, didn't you also... Uh, I haven't seen it all the way... Yeah, I haven't seen it all. Obviously, I know the premise is basically a vampire because of the. I seen the first episode, so I know basically what is going. Midnight Mass. I think you have those type of things, but like a true like scary movie. They actually just they had the one that just came out. It's in theaters right now, or just came out. Left theaters about the ship. Oh, God, what's the name of it? Man, look it up. It's a. It's literally a vampire on a ship while the ship's sailing. Um, but see that that that's the thing though, man. You remember back in the days, man. You had all these great vampire shows. <laughs> the Last Voyage <laughs> of the Dementor. Really? That is that that was in theaters or is in theaters right now? Bro, you remember the Lost Boys? Uh, you had uh, Vampire in Brooklyn. We had uh, interview with a vampire. Fright Night. Yeah, like. But you look in the last five, six years, man, like twenty, like the vampires have really lost it's, their luster. It's gone more to like supernatural stuff. It's gone to more ghost type stuff. Is what it's, that's really well, don't, don't discount Hotel Transylvania. I hate you. Blah blah blah. I don't say blah 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 unless I say I don't say blah blah blah. I, so so I gotta I gotta I gotta update y'all on. <laughs> a new pet peeve of mine. <clears throat> Hold on, before, so, you, before you tell us this, real quick, I, I'll be I'll be uh, discouraged if we don't mention this. Is Beetlejuice a comedy horror? I think it's comedy. I don't think it's horror. Because yeah, I, I don't think that's horror. When I look up well, comedy horror, you know, when I look up comedy horror, that's on the list on Google, and I'm like, wait, I, I didn't even think about that, but it, yeah, because it's you know, I don't think it's scary at all, though. I think it's more comedy well, based now, with like Gary. That's considered a comedy horror. I'm gonna have to say Beetlejuice is the greatest comedy horror of all time. See, I guess you could say it's comedy horror, but again, it's the same. You have the same argument you have with Die Hard because it takes place during Halloween type stuff. It's a comedy horror. 
Well, there's definitely some horror aspects. There's ghosts. There's you know, uh, you know, netherworld. There's people coming back from the no, dead. It, it could be considered horror, I guess. But like, I I don't know if I would put Beetlejuice ahead of Tucker and Dale for like comedy wise. Beetlejuice is good, great, but it doesn't have the comedy punches. It has a better story. But I, I wouldn't say it's as comedic as Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yeah, Tucker and Dale versus Evil was a pretty good show, man. It didn't have. If you that. haven't seen it, time please watch it. it is. It's on it's, Netflix. It's fun. You hey, will I'm gonna really enjoy you, it. I'm gonna tell you when I lost it here. The the wood chipper oh. took me out, bro. Yeah, you gotta took watch it, time. Took he, me he, out, we're bro. not gonna give you a spoiler, but you just gotta watch. It. It's really good. But now, but here's another thing though, too, though, Gary, and I don't know if it's a comedy horror, but it's really close, man. Uh, um. What is my guy named? The evil, the evil, uh, he had the shotgun in the house with the hand. Idle hands? No, um, it's the one, I can't, I can see him right Explain now. Explain what the, happens in the movie. So he's in the cabin by himself and he's getting possessed. He has a shotgun. Evil dead. The evil dead, it's yeah. It's chainsaw in his hand, it's chainsaw in his hand. Yeah, is that not, is that not a comedy horror? That is a comedy horror. That is, it's a, that's a true comedy horror in the aspect. There's a lot more horror with a lot of with comedy sprinkled in. Because okay. it's only one character. Only Ash is the comedy. There's really no other comedy from other people. It's just Ash, but it's a horror aspect too. Okay, last one, Gary, because I, I I it it may not even be the right genre, but I'm asking anyway. Is Gremlins a Christmas movie or a horror movie? See, it's the same thing with Die Hard. I think it's a, I think it's a horror. I don't think it's a Christmas movie. Just because it takes place at Christmas does not make it a Christmas movie. Chucky, that takes place, I think, around Christmas because it's right after Thanksgiving. That's when they get him. That's not a Christmas movie. It, it's during Christmas time. That's a horror movie. I think that's where I think so, that so many things get lost because of the time period of the movie does not make it that type of movie. Literally, Chucky was a doll that went crazy and was sold out there like Black Friday, all that kind of stuff. And then there's Christmas tree up because they want a, the Chucky doll and Chucky kills. That's not and nobody ever says that's a Christmas movie. <laughs> no, like that's, right. that's the thing. Like it, it, I think because. Christmas is a huge aspect because they really make it a forefront in Gremlins of the Christmas tree and all like the shopping and stuff. People just say it's a Christmas movie. No, it's a horror movie. And just like a movie that takes a place during Halloween isn't necessarily a horror movie. Like, if, uh, if, if there has to be killing and stuff like that for it to be a horror movie. What is Nightmare Before Christmas? Nightmare Before Christmas, I would say, is a Christmas movie. It's not gear. I would see it as a Christmas movie. <laughs> it's so it's me. Halloween characters celebrating Christmas and trying to do Christmas. That is Christmas I disagree. movie. Disagree. So I've 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 had an opportunity to watch the Nightmare Before Christmas a hundred times in the last three days. Okay, and it is literally. They're in the Halloween season, Gary. They go over to the Christmas season for eight minutes, Gary. Eight minutes. I, 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 I 
fall of this. They were in Christmas. Jack Skellington was in Christmas for eight minutes. And the whole time they're in Halloween setting up to steal Santa Claus so they can have Christmas in Halloween land. Yes, because they and want a Christmas. Gonna, and you're going to tell me that it's a Christmas movie? The whole premise of the movie is they're trying to celebrate Christmas because they don't get Christmas in Halloween Town. That's the whole premise is they they're want in Christmas. Halloween Town, it doesn't matter that it's in it Halloween. They're trying to celebrate Christmas. The whole premise is we got to celebrate Christmas. I'm going to be Santa. It's literally trying to be Christmas because <laughs> they don't get it. That's the whole premise. Because they're trying to be Christmas. In Halloween, you're going to say that it's a Christmas movie. Yes, because, okay, the whole, again, the premise is people that live in Halloween town, they don't get Christmas because all they know is Halloween. It's the only time they think they get. They find out about Christmas town. They want to have Christmas. So they want to, instead of just yeah. have Halloween, they want Christmas. It's an hour and a half movie. Eight minutes of the movie is in Christmas. But the premise is they're trying to celebrate Christmas. <laughs> they want to celebrate Christmas. That's the whole premise. So it's all based on premise. Yes. All based on premise. Just like Die Hard, the, the, the premise isn't, oh, it's Christmas. They're going to be Christmas. We got a killer for Christmas and Christmas, Christmas. No, it just happens to be Christmas time. When when this terrorist comes, that's all. That just because it happens to be Christmas time does not make it a Christmas movie. Okay, all right, man. I, I, what I, I I I tend to think it's a Halloween movie that um, wants to celebrate Christmas, but I see what you're saying, Gary. But yeah. to, let's look at it the other way. What if it was a movie that was set in a Christmas town and they wanted and they to celebrate wa Halloween? It's a horror movie. It's a Halloween movie because they're trying to celebrate Halloween. Mm. I don't know. I, I think, think the base the same thing. This is a classic case of Home Alone. Home Alone will always be the ultimate Christmas movie because it was set and strong. No. And Again, what's the premise of of Home Alone? Why why do the wet bandits? What do they What do they wait for? Hold on, Gear. You're telling me that Home Alone is not a Christmas movie? No, I'm saying it is a Christmas movie, but now I'm explaining why. I'm saying the They're whole premise to leave is to the wet bandits are waiting for people to leave for Christmas vacation to rob. It's, the whole thing is built around Christmas. So it is a so, Christmas so, movie. So, I'm so, saying hold on, it hold is on. So, a Christmas movie. So your, your definition of a Christmas movie is? Christmas is, a, is the main integral part of the movie. It's about Christmas and the Christmas time and Christmas spirit. That's what makes it a Christmas movie. So then the Gremlins is a Christmas movie. No, because it's not and it's not for the the whole it's not talking about Christmas. It's there's a gift, yes, of the Gremlins, but everything's about the Gremlins. It's not about it being Christmas. It's about the Gremlins. Okay. They just happen to be a right. Christmas gift. Okay. But again, like would would you consider Chucky? A Christmas movie? Chucky was a Christmas gift during Christmas time. But that's not a... Nobody's ever said once, Chucky is a Christmas movie. <laughs> okay. All right, man. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what your definition of certain and things Anybody are. that questions me, you're wrong. I will challenge you all day, any day, <laughs> to a talk-off about this. 
I'm a movie guy. It's what I do. I love movies. Challenge me if you want to go about it. You're wrong about Nightmare Before Christmas, bro. No. You're wrong. No. The whole premise is they want to celebrate Christmas. Okay. I got got one for you. What movie, what type of movie is Caroline? Caroline? Yeah. I don't think it's Christmas, horror. It's none of them. I think it's just a... You know what I'm talking about? The lady with the buttons? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't don't think that's like... I don't think so. I don't know when. I don't remember. I've only seen that movie two times in my life. So I honestly couldn't even tell you. I just know she's lost trying to get back. That's all that I really know. I don't really know much else that I remember about it. And and it's Coraline, not Caroline. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just, I don't remember much about it. That's all. I just know the, I I think the premise is she's trying to get back some uh, home or something. This is my last one, and I'm going to let y'all have it. Is. Is uh, Alice in Wonderland an Easter movie? No. Just because there's a rabbit in it? <laughs> I'm, I, to I, say, I'm trying that. to figure out what the heck you're talking about. Because, <laughs> like, another one you could say um, is It a Christmas movie? Because It, they come back for Christmas time. Because they were drawn back and it happened to be Christmas time during It. I would say no, that's not. That's when they're older, they come back. But because somebody died and it happened to be Christmas time. So, Gary, my the kids wanted me to ask you this, and it's Halloween. Uh, I want to say Happy Halloween to everybody out there. In the spirit of Halloween, Gary's the movie guy. Gary, I want you to give the people out there the top five Halloween movies of all time. Obviously, Halloween is up there, but it's set during Halloween, on Halloween, Gary, and it's, it's, the reason why I say this is because my kids, Gary, they all put their heads together, and they came up with four, or it was four or five Disney Halloween movies, where it was set in Halloween, and I, it took me a while to get them, but I think I ended up getting three or four of the five. I was one shorter getting them all. But my question to you is not Disney, just general. Top five Halloween movies of all time in your category. But the, it got to be said Halloween. Obviously, Halloween would probably be number one because there is a franchise completely surrounded. Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus was number two. That's what the kids gave me. Trick or Treat. Got that one. So Trick or Treat is with Sam. For the people that don't know, it's a bunch of multiple horror stories entwined in one on one Halloween night. Really yeah. good. Very underrated. People don't know yeah. much about it. Um, let's go with... So this is an animated one from my childhood. The Halloween Tree. <laughs> Love me the Halloween. It's literally the only movie I own on VHS is the Halloween really? tree. Only movie. You guys, I own. you guys sound like wrestling marks right now that love to talk about the indie wrestlers. They're the greatest in the world. That <laughs> <laughs> nobody knows what the hell you're talking about. There's one more. Well, we're trying to, we're trying, we're trying to school you so you can learn new things. And then the yeah, next one, I would say for me. I would argue that Hocus Pocus is probably higher than Halloween. Yes, because it, it, it masks everybody. It's not just yeah. adults. Yeah. Um, 
Halloween movie that I would consider a top five that takes place during Halloween. Yeah. Um, My kids hit me with one that I had no idea was even a movie that was set on Halloween. You know what it was? What? Under Wraps. Oh, that crap movie about a, about a mummy. Get out of here. Yeah. Trash. Yeah. Tell your kids to grow <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, love for Hall- no love for I Halloween Town? No, I, I, was not, I was not a Halloween Town fan growing up. I tried. <laughs> um, you could you could also, if you want to throw in Halloween Town, you could throw in, uh, oh, what was it? Oh, God. The Olsen Twins. Halloween thing <laughs> movie they did. <laughs> oh gosh, we. Uh, I, no. I feel like you know what what bothers me though, Gary, is it bothers me that with everything that surrounds Halloween, you would think that there would be more Halloween movies because there's so many like slasher movies and horror is such a big genre that you would think that they would capitalize on the fact that Halloween. Because I, I was thinking about Coco, because I thought Coco was set during Halloween, but it wasn't. It was set during um, uh, uh, the Day of the Dead. Um, but you would think that they would utilize. Or I got I, so I got one that uh, it's more of a kid friendly type, but uh, it takes place during Halloween. Casper with Christina Ricci. Casper. Really? Yeah, that takes place during Halloween. They do the Halloween party at her house. Uh, all the school comes over. You have really? the ghost. Yep. Casper said during Halloween. Mm-hmm. You're right, because the trick-or-treaters came through a knock and, and rung his door. But yeah. that's a really good one, Gary. Casper's. I but that's, again, that's a, it's more family. Like I think there's more family-friendly mo- like Halloween movies because they that family can watch. Versus horror, because horror can happen at any time. Like, you could say Scream takes place during Halloween, because people are in costumes during Halloween time, and everything's going on. But I don't know if I would say it takes place on Halloween day. It more takes place during the month of October type thing. So before we get into football, Gary, before we get into football, Kyle, which holiday has the most movies? Christmas. Not even close. You sure they got more than uh, because Labor, I don't. I mean, not Labor Day, uh, Independence Day. Yes, Christmas had literally Lifetime puts out forty-seven million Christmas movies every year. You can't touch it. Yeah, it's got to be Christmas. I mean, and it's so annoying because they'll start playing them in tomorrow. <laughs> it's stupid. <laughs> they'll start playing them November first. And it's so now, in all the stores, I don't know if y'all have noticed. I went because I went, you know, shopping for my costume. But like, Halloween stuff's already on the discount rack, and Christmas stuff is like seventy-five percent of the home decor uh, stuff now. And this was even like two weeks out from Halloween. You know, joke. uh, It's a joke. It's an absolute joke, man. I still disagree with your with your mom time. Oh, about what? Putting up the Christmas tree lights right early. After. All that stuff early. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now back to football. Oh gosh. I'm, oh, I'm okay. Are you ready to talk about football? Are you sure? Are the Panthers going to the Super Bowl? 
you already owe me. You might as well go ahead and give me that 20 bucks. <laughs> I, I, I was trying to save this for last because I, I wanted to talk about Carolina winning that football game on that field goal. Like, you would think that. It only took them that, three tries. Gary, you would think that. You would think that this was a significant game and a significant place. And, a, like, they carried the kicker off the field. Like it was, and like, it took him three attempts to make it. <laughs> Time, Time. Tell, talk to me from the Panther fan base. Yeah. Well, as as the Panther fan base, we're uh, we're kind of just in a moment of limbo because it's like we we can't lose out because we don't get our number one pick next year anyway, so that doesn't matter. We're not going to be good enough, so at this point, I think we're just cheering for the team and Bryce Young to actually be good because if not, we've mortgaged our future on an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> <laughs> can, can we also talk about uh, the guy that D'Angelo said at the beginning of the year was going to have a really bad year, down year, beating the 49ers and completing 19 straight passes and looking back to his real form against that vaunted 49ers defense? Do we want to talk about that at all, or are you just trying to skip over that? Well, the Kansas City Chiefs got beat. <laughs> so you want to skip uh, over it, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, we ever since we beat the Cowboys, man, it's been downhill for us, dude. Three straight L's. And, and here's, here's the thing. And as a 49er fan, I, I, I'm selfish, and I need to stop it. But I'm going to tell you what I'm selfish of. And I'm I'm going on record to say this. I'm going to only say it this one time, and it'll only be locked in this podcast. I Christian McCaffrey has a streak going on where he scored a touchdown in, like, 16 straight games. Yeah, I was going to say, can, Seven, we about, 17. can we talk about Seven. how bad of a trade that was for Carolina? I, 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 I'm, I'm upset, Gary, because I feel like if – we wasn't on a course of him scoring 17 straight that I think we'll still be winning right now. Like, I think we're at a point now where, hey, we just want to get him in the end zone and see him get the record versus let's win a game. That's Boy, you really, re- you're reaching. As a 49er oh, fan, I'm you're reaching. reaching. <laughs> as a 49er fan, I'm reaching as a fan in general because I expect more out of my team. See, you a Carolina Panther fan. You don't know what it means to expect more out of your team. You go every 10 years, so every 10 years you happy. Every year I supposed to be. That's yeah, I, I think you're reaching a lot. I don't uh, – <laughs> But you see I definitely what I'm saying, don't... though, man? You start – like, we, three straight L's, bro? Cleveland, oh, I know. Cincinnati, bro, we, there's no way in hell we should have lost to them two teams. Joey well, to be back. fair, to be fair, Cincinnati should have been way better than they have been all year. So I don't, that I don't think that one's as bad. But losing to Cleveland with a backup quarterback, their backup quarterback, that was atrocious. That that what, is like. Can we talk about on? how bad that trade looks of trading Christian McCaffrey away? He literally it, looks I, like I, the best player in the league, other than Tyreek yeah. Hill. Yeah, but we knew this. We knew this when they traded him. <laughs> speaking, speaking of Tyreek Hill, does he have a shot at the MVP this year? 
No. Is that a quarterback award? Yes. It's hard for anybody else to get it. Like, even if he breaks it, that means two is going to throw for 45, 5,000 yards passing and have all these touchdowns. Uh, like, you, you got to have somebody like, like maybe you have Justin Fields throw for 2,600 and DJ Moore catches 2,200 of those yards. Then you can have a receiver win it. But Tua is going to have an outstanding year if Tyreek Hill's having an outstanding year. So I think it's, I think it's a running back slash uh, wide or quarterback award because a running back if a running back rushes for twenty five hundred yards I don't care what a quarterback does. Do you know how hard it is to rush for twenty five hundred yards? I know. I'm, I'm saying if if a if a running back rushes for two thousand yards they've won the MVP. Gary, I I'm, I'm I ask this because the year that Randy Moss. Scored all those touchdowns and did all those numbers. He was just offensive player of the year, correct? Who was the MVP of that season? Um, I don't think it was Tom Brady or was it Tom Brady? Probably Tom Brady. <laughs> so that's what I'm thinking. So now that you say that, if it's a receiver that has a lot of yards, there's no way he's going to get MVP. It, it has to be a QB. It has to be a QB or a two QB system. QB gets hurt middle of the year. Other QB comes in and they still get yards receiving. Then now that QB is not uh, stealing all those votes that because he's getting all those yards too. That's the only way you could do it. Or like I said, you have your receiver get 2,300 <laughs> of your quarterback's 2,700 yards passing. But that would never happen. But I'm just saying like that's the only way you're going to see a, a receiver because usually like – I guess if two or through 40 interceptions, but Tyreek Hill had 2,000 yards receiving and two is still through for 4,000, 5,000 yards, but he threw 40 interceptions, he wouldn't win MVP. But if he keeps his interceptions down has, and throws all those yards with him and Waddle, it's not even going to be close. So before we go and before we end this podcast, right now, Gary, who is your midseason MVP? Um, honestly, probably Tua. Tom, who's your midseason MVP right now? Tyreek Hill. That's wild, man. That who's yours? Crazy. Well, it's it's tough. It's tough for me to to decide. And it's 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 really hard for me because <clears throat> I like what Miami is doing over there. I just don't like Miami enough to choose a player for the Miami Dolphins as an MVP candidate because they are the Miami Dolphins at the end of the day. Um, who would I? Before he got hurt, and I've always been a fan of him. And and Gary, you know this. I've always been a fan of Nick Chubb. I think Chubb's was well on his way to making some noise. I'm not saying that he was going to win it. I'm saying that he was well on his way to making noise because of the devaluation of the running back position and what he was doing for the position. But now, I I, I don't want to say this, but I'm going to say it, Gary. If Christian McCaffrey keeps scoring these touchdowns, the way that he's scoring these touchdowns, I don't see how he can lose it. 
Because that's a feat that hadn't been done since. Well, I think he's gonna have he's gonna have twelve hundred yards rushing, and he may have close to a thousand yards receiving when it's all said and done. So like, yeah, but that's very hard not to. Though. Well, and he's doing that. At, what does he have? Thirteen now on the season. Yeah, thirty thirty one is the record, Gary. I couldn't believe that. 31 touchdowns in the season. Danian Tomlinson. Garrett, how the hell do you score 31 touchdowns? You are a back like Christian McCaffrey. LT was a receiving and a running back. He could do both. And I think that's what you have to do to be able to do that. Because you yeah, have to be able to get the catches and you have to be able to rush the ball. But I don't think you understand, Garrett. Even 13 touchdowns at this record right now. Like 13 touchdowns. He's at 26, yeah. He'd have to get 26 if he's kept That's what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's just the, the math ain't math. Like, you got to think, LT literally scored every touchdown. He didn't come off the field. So when LT was in there, or LD, sorry, LaDainian Tomlinson, whatever you want to call him, he, uh, he didn't come off the field. There was no sub for him. He was the goal line back. He was the every down back. He was the two-minute drill back. So – they knew, hey, we get the ball to him, good things are going to happen. He got the ball so many times. He was a 260-yard rusher with 100 catches. It's outrageous. Gary, I I still say to this day, but Damian Thomason is the greatest running back that doesn't have Edmund Smith's name, that doesn't have – Barry uh, Sanders. Barry Sanders' name. That doesn't have sweetness name. Adrian Peterson. That that... Don't do it. Don't disrespect AP. We just talking about NFL MVPs. Come on now. He did because he hit two thousand yards. If you can hit two thousand yards rushing, you're probably going to win MVP as a running back. I'm telling you right now, nobody's ever disrespected Adrian Peterson and his running style. I'm talking about when you talk about the greatest running backs of all time, LD name never pops up. Nobody should. Right. We talk about Marshall Falk. We talk about like I. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna tell you right now. LD, LT, LD, Ladanian Thompson, whatever you want to call him, was better than Marshall Falk at his prime. I would agree with that. Prime LT. Prime. um, um, Marshall Falk. it wasn't it wasn't even close. Like Marshall Falk, I feel like, benefited from the the other all stars on his team. Greatest and, show on turf. Man, what that man did in that Chargers uniform, dude, and then took it on to the Jets right after when they thought he was finished over thirty. I I, I don't see what what's the discussion. And, and there's another running back. And, and I have to say this, Gary, because I loved his running style. Freddie. I remember him chanting in Jacksonville. That man right there, what he did for Jacksonville. Fred Taylor. What he did for Jacksonville, man, I – they don't – please tell me that they show that man love in Jacksonville. I honestly don't know. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Well, yeah, we lost this weekend. Cowboys won. Uh, Browns, I think they lost. Um, so you know who else lost? Kansas City. You know who else lost? Who else lost? The Squealers. 
<laughs> mm. They lost to Jacksonville, who you just mentioned. Hey, hey, can we talk about the Giants having negative passing yards and almost I mean, winning? You would talk about a workhorse. They were getting their money's worth from Saquon Barkley. That's for sure. If if you're that backup quarterback, do you do you just not show up to work on Monday? That means they have no faith in you. That's what I'm saying. They let him throw four passes in a whole half. And they still almost won the game. Right. If if I'm if I'm that quarterback, I'm not showing up to work on Monday because I'm like, That's why am I even here? Why That's am I even here? You're well, yeah, up. you got to get checked. But why are you even here? <laughs> you can't feel good about going back into that locker room after the coach only lets you throw four times. Oh, and you know Daniel Jones is back next week, so. Uh, I don't know. That's just that feels like an atrocious call. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> That's why they got their money's worth. For, they're, they're, they're running Saquon into the ground because I don't think they're signing him to a contract extension after this year. I think he walks. They're not going to pay him. I'm hoping he can still walk after they finish with what they're doing with him this year. I know. Speaking of injuries and stuff, how did we not hear about things like Patrick Mahomes having the flu, apparently? Uh, you hear No, you hear about it in the uh, in the middle of the game when they're losing. Right, but you don't hear about it at all Correct. before. Same Correct. thing with B. John Robinson last week. I'm like, where's all this news that like will help me? Like us fantasy football owners are important. We need to know if our guy is not going to be able to perform. <laughs> Forget your competitive and, advantage. <laughs> and before we get into fantasy football talk, we want to thank y'all for joining us on the Cinnamon Sugar Podcast. <laughs> Because D'Angelo does not like fantasy football talk and conversation because it, again, is fantasy football. None of you out there are real coaches, and none of you out there are playing with real players. They're fantasy players. And before we go, uh, shameless plug, there will be a new Skeptic episode releasing this week. Uh, so uh, look on the look out for it on the Skeptic YouTube, um, and you will see a new video out. Of us investigating Waverly Sanatorium. Who all is going to be included on this video? You have to watch and see. Can't give us any sneak peeks of a special guest? Nope. Got to watch and see. I would just say it's somebody that I played with. Okay. Well, since D'Angelo's scared fans football talk, I guess we'll be back next week. Look at us. Three weeks in a row, guys. We're, we're getting so good at this. On the road again? <laughs> yeah. well, well, oh, well, hey, we're going to have to talk about that because I'm, I'm going to be at a bachelor party next week. So It sounds like you can't go. My, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got to cancel. Oh, by the way, Sanders said he disagrees with y'all. He should be able to cheer for Carolina. Uh, so that's that. I'm excited. <laughs> we'll be back next week with another episode of the Cinnamon Sugar Podcast. Until then, we out. We out. You are now listening to the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast featuring D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage. You are now listening to the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast featuring D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage. You are now listening to the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast featuring D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage. You are now listening to the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast featuring D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage.